Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad, really so glad that you're here today. Are you ready for some football? All right, today is Super Bowl Sunday. It's a, this is a big deal. You know, tonight it, it, it should be a, like a national holiday because what other event has like a hundred million people that gather to watch it? I mean, you think about that and um, it's probably the biggest non-holiday event of the year. In fact, do you know there will be more pizza eaten tonight than any other single day of the year? And not only that, there will be more food eaten today than any other day of the year except Thanksgiving. Hmm. That's why an asset sales will be up 20%. That's true. And uh, 6% of you will call in sick tomorrow from, uh, from work because of that. But not here, not workers at Stevens Creek. Because you call in sick, we're going to send the prayer team over and raise you up. <laughs> now, uh, Super Bowls are a big deal in America. And, and tonight we see the, uh, the perennials versus the millennials. You've got the New England Patriots versus the Rams. And they've been working on this for a long time. It started in July with training camp and they moved into the preseason. They moved into the regular season, into the playoffs, and now the Super Bowl. And tonight they will um, crown a champion. You know, we love champions, don't we? We love to hang out with champions. We love to be champions, whether it's in football or basketball or baseball or whatever. We like to be around winners. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about a champion. Uh, from the Bible, an Old Testament champion. Now, when you look at him on the surface, you kind of scratch your head because he was quite an underdog. I'll tell you the story. The story unfolded 3,000 years ago when uh, some enemies of Israel started to move toward their land to try to invade their land. And they went through the mountains and then they went through the valleys and they're getting closer to the coastline of Israel. When word got to to Jerusalem and said, the Philistines are coming. And so the, the king of uh, Israel quickly rallied the troops, rallied the uh, his soldiers, and they went down to the Sheplah Valley and they got there uh, for this standoff. So on one side of the valley, you've got the Israelites. On the other side, you've got the Philistines. And this went on for day after day. Every morning and evening, the Hebrew people would gather to pray and say, God, um, be with us. They would do their devotions. And as they would call on the name of the Lord, uh, the Philistines sent one guy down. And he would taunt and he would degrade and speak negative things over them and challenge them to uh, uh, hand-to-hand combat. And that guy's name was Goliath. And many of you, you know this story. And the challenge with the story about David and Goliath is that it is such a familiar story that so many of us look at this as a kid's story. So this is just something that kids, we talk to our kids about. But I want you to understand this is a real story. It's a historical event. But it's a historical event. But I believe that the lessons that we can learn from this historical event can speak to us in our lives uh, today. So the Bible says Goliath was a giant. He was, uh, 
He was six cubits tall, which means he was nine foot, nine inches tall. And he was, when he came down to challenge the Israelites, he was wearing bronze from head to toe. And it was kind of a scaly looking bronze. He carried a bronze javelin that weighed 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds. Scholar Ray Vanderlaan said um, that the writer wants you to see that Goliath, as he really is, that he is a symbol and picture of pure evil. How do you see that? Well, he's covered in scales or bronze. He's six cubits tall. He has 600 uh, shekels of a, a javelin in his hand. And the book of Chronicles said that his brother's had six fingers and six toes, um, each one of them. So you put that together, there's a lot of sixes going on. And in the Hebrew world, six is an unholy number, okay? And so it's a picture of pure evil uh, because we see that six, six, six is the devil's number. And so that's just what's going on when they put all of this and they tell this story. They tell it more, not just a historical uh, story or even a fable that you tell kids, but they see this as a spiritual battle between good and evil. So here it is, Goliath's uh, six cubits tall. And so that's nine foot nine inches. So just being very practical, I am 5'10 today. You know, a few months, I might be 5'9". You know how it goes. You're going to kind of get... Shorter and broader uh, as uh, your life goes on. So I'm 5'10". Michael Jordan, remember him? He was um, six foot six. How about Shaquille O'Neal? Remember Shaquille O'Neal? He is seven foot one. So Goliath, think about it this way. Goliath is 32 inches taller than Shaq. Okay, that's a tall guy. 32 inches taller than... Okay, how about this picture? Goliath, if he were at the Super Bowl tonight, and if he stood under the goalpost, his head lacks three inches from touching the goalpost. That's how tall he is. Imagine that. He's three inches shorter than the goalpost. If you're a basketball fan, he's three inches shorter than a basketball hoop. So this guy is tall. He's massive. And over a period of 40 days, the Bible says that Goliath came and and taunted the Israelite army. And he he talked trash. And I'm sure it had to be worse than Bill Belichick, Patrick Chung, and and Brandon Cooks combined together. Because they all like to talk trash. But it's much worse. He taunted them and he defied them. And he was saying, come down here and fight me. Send one man. And so this is an introduction to single-hand combat. In those days, it was tradition, if you had two armies, that one way to resolve the conflict is each one would send their best soldier. And of those two soldiers, whoever won, uh, the one that remained living, because you had killed the other one, uh, uh, they would uh, be able to take over the one um, that died, and they would, the the people, uh, the army that represented the person that died would surrender there. And so that's Uh, the backdrop of the story. So for 40 days, Goliath taunted the Israelites and they were really scared for their lives. We pick up the story in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for, uh, for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the, the servants of Saul? But let's look at, let's go back to that 
um, verse. This word right here, a Philistine, if you go to the Hebrew language, this a would be really translated the. And when he's saying, am I not the Philistine, which he's saying, and I am not, not the one. I am the champion. I have defeated every, you know, I am stronger than anybody else in the army. I am the Philistine. And are you not the servants of Saul? Now, next screen. Then the Philistine said, this day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man. He's calling for one man to come down. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now, on hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul, that's King Saul now, and all of the Israelites were what? Dismayed and they were terrified. They were dismayed. They were terrified. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening. And for 40 days, he took his stand. It says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in what? Great fear. So they're dismayed. They're terrified. They're in great fear. So here we see Goliath calling for a winner-take-all kind of game. He said, am I not the Philistine? Am I not the champion? And he would talk down to them, speak negative to them, and try to demean them. And he did this day after day after day. Now, when we think about that story and we look at our lives, things have not changed very much. I mean, there are still giants in our world, and we have them. Now, they don't come in a nine-foot-nine-inch frame. But there are giants that you have and that I have that are looming over us. Looking down on us, talking negative to us, trying to demean us and discourage us, trying to uh, get us to cower back in fear, cause, uh, causing us to be discouraged and dismayed. It's giants in the land. Now, I don't know what your giant looks like. It may be a giant that you um, of fear and intimidation. It may be a giant at work. It may be a giant in dealing with your boss. It may be a relational issue somewhere else. I don't know what your giant is, but I know you have some. Because I know you're like me. That all of us face challenges. All of us face those negative voices that speak into us. There are negative voices all throughout the culture. And if we're not careful, we can allow those negative voices to speak into us saying that we'll never make it. We'll never be good enough. We'll always be in debt. How about that one? You ever heard that one? You'll always be in debt. That's why you need to refinance. You'll never pay off a car. You'll never pay off your house. This is your life. We hear that so much that we said, okay, it's just, that's just the American way. That's us. That's us. And we start to hear these voices and we receive them as our truth. It's the giants that loom over us. Let me say this. I believe that every giant has a name. Can you name your giant? What is it? Is it a relationship? Is it a calling that you're running from? Can you name your giant? Is it a hidden addiction that nobody knows about, but you have this compulsion on the inside of you that causes you to do things that when it's all done, you feel worse than when you started. 
For 40 days, Goliath taunted the Israelites. And to him, uh, to them, he was larger than life, but he made them feel as though they didn't have a chance. Here's the first fill in the blank. Giants won't defeat you because they're big. Giants won't defeat you because they're big, but because they make you feel small. They're not going to defeat you because they're big, but it's how they make you feel. They make you feel so small. They make make you feel so unworthy that you don't belong here, that this is above your pay grade. And what do you think you're doing? You don't belong here. And we hear those voices over and over, and it causes us to lose confidence. It causes us um, to walk around like we don't belong here, like we're uh, in shame, like we're posers. And it's those negative voices that try to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's how the enemy works. Satan comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. The good news in John 10 and 10 says that Jesus comes to bring you life and so that you can have it and have it more abundantly. So for 40 days, Goliath threatened the Israelis and he threatened them until this young shepherd boy named David comes on the scene. Now, David wasn't even supposed to be there. He was supposed to be taking care of the sheep, but his three older brothers were in the army. And his mom and dad said, hey, David, we need you to take a care package up to the brothers, your brothers on the front line. And so they put together a, a care package and said, I want you to take this to your brothers and to the commander. We want to take care of him too. So they put a package of cheese and, and so forth and supplies there. And he went and he dropped it off at the shelf there. And then he made his way to the front line. And when he made his way to the front line, it was just the right timing for he, uh, for David to hear the words of this big giant come and to defy the armies of God. Now, when he first heard that, he realized that this was more than a physical threat. David heard that, uh, that defying tone and he said, this is a spiritual challenge. All of a sudden, he saw what other people could not see. They just saw the, the vastness of this challenge, this huge giant, this nine foot, nine inch guy. They saw the problem, but... But David saw that this was a spiritual challenge, not necessarily a physical challenge. And there was something inside of this young boy named David that rose up and said, this ain't right. This is not right. Somebody ought to do something. Have you ever heard those words? Have you ever heard those words? Have you ever been looking at a situation, maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe on a team, maybe how you've seen somebody mistreated and something inside of you said, this isn't right. Somebody ought to do something. When you have those thoughts, I want you to understand that that could be the prompting of the Lord in your life. That God is looking for leaders to step up. 
And a leader is a person of influence. And when I look around this auditorium, I see leaders all throughout this auditorium. You are people of influence. And there will be times, possibly even this week, when you look at a situation and you say, man, something needs to be done about this. And that very prompting means that God is calling you to be a part of what he is already doing. And he is saying, come and join me in this endeavor. Join me in this challenge. Join me in this fight. Somebody ought to do something. That's your call. That's that prompting. David heard that prompting. Somebody ought to do something. And he responded to it. And he went to the king. David went to King Saul in verse 32 and said, let no one lose heart uh, on account of this Philistine. He said, your servant, your servant, David, I'm going to go and I will go and I will fight him. David saw what other people couldn't see. That this was more than a conflict between two armies, but this was a conflict between good and evil. And David said, I may be young, but I'm going to take a stand here because he had this belief deep in his heart that God was going to uh, give him and allow him the energies to feed and the strength to defeat the giant. You see, David looked at life differently. Most people saw the problem. David saw a solution. Most people saw the giant. David saw how big God is. So many times in life, we face challenges and we allow those challenges, those difficulties to overwhelm us because that's all we can see. All we can see are the bad things that are happening. All we can see are the problems, the challenges, the difficulties. And I just want you to step back and understand That God is so much bigger than your problem. God is so much bigger than the difficulty. Here's the point. The bigger you see God, the smaller you see the battle. The bigger that you see God, the smaller that you see the battle. When you understand that God is so much bigger than this thing that is overwhelming you then life gets a little clearer. Your vision becomes a little clearer. David's God was so big that Goliath didn't seem that big to him. We all face these challenges, and some of you are facing them today. Maybe it's in your personal life, your family. Maybe it's in your finances. I think you can face giants by facing God first. That you turn toward him. David stepped forward. And when David stepped forward to face the giant, that giant turned on him. He said, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And he starts taunting this young man. And David responded to him and said, you come at me. With a sword and the spear and the javelin. You've got all of this bronze all over you. But I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And at that point. David moved 
toward, uh, Goliath moved toward David. And when Goliath moved toward David, it's interesting his response. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, notice this, David ran quickly toward the battle line. A lot of fear going on in, uh, in the Israeli army, but he is running toward the giant. He's running toward uh, Goliath. He ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him and reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. Taking out a stone. Let's just rest there for a second. A stone. Now, the Bible tells us he had placed five stones in his, his bag. Why five stones? Anybody know why five stones? I'll tell you real quick because you probably don't know. Um, five stones represented the first five books of the Bible. For them, it was the entire, entire Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so uh, this, again, is a spiritual battle. And so he took out one stone. So David is going into this battle with a weapon. He had a sling and he had a stone. In other words, he understood that he had a role to play in this victory. So many times we look to God and say, God, I've got this problem here. Can you please help me? Can you please help me? I'm giving it over to you. And we sit back and we do nothing, nothing at all. And we're waiting. And that can seem real spiritual. Oh, I'm waiting on God to do this. I'm waiting. And I appreciate that. But David picked up a stone. David did something. He picked up a stone. You see, what I want you to understand is you have a role to play in the process. And I want you to do your part and let God do his part. You've got a role. David picked up a stone. David had a sling there. He was prepared to go into battle. He did something. He grabbed a stone. He stepped out in faith. I challenge you to step out in faith. Here's the point. Our faith, I believe, our faith can move mountains when our faith moves us. And so many times, people don't want to move. They want to sit back on the sidelines and watch the battle unfold. But when God may be calling you to step out in faith, because our faith moves the mountains, when our faith moves us, when we step out and we do what we can do. Too many people are just sitting back waiting for God to to do something when God wants you to step out of your comfort zone and do something. All throughout the Bible, we see the importance of stepping out. In Luke chapter 17, there's a story about lepers who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, heal us. And Jesus said, I want you to go to the temple. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. As they did something, as they went, they were healed. We see this again when uh, someone came to Jesus and said, I've got this skin problem. He said, I want you to go wash in the river seven times. On the seventh time, he was healed. He did something. He went and washed in the river. Pick up a stone. Do something. I believe that God wants you to trust him. But oftentimes, 
that means that you pick up a hammer and you build an ark. So what are you doing? When you are facing your giant, when you're facing this dilemma, when you're facing this problem, and this problem seems larger than life, are you running from it? Are you turning toward it and you're facing it and facing it uh, with a confidence and knowing that God is with you every step of the way? I know it's fearful. I know it's challenging. I know that there are times that you feel discouraged and you feel depressed over this and you wonder, will your life ever change? But I tell you simply, pick up a stone. Pick up a stone. Take a step. Say, God, together we can do this. Together we can do this. Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Isn't that interesting? Because typically you feel like if you're going to be hitting with a stone, you're going to go backwards, right? Practically. So why? Why did he fall face down on the ground? Here's why. Because this is not... Only a physical battle, but this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. And so when he fell face down, that was a symbol. That symbolizes that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. He is falling down and he is worshiping before God. So he is surrendering to God when you fall face forward. And so you've got to understand that this is a spiritual battle. Here's the third thing. I believe that, that when we face our giants and, and our difficulties, God is calling us to believe him. God is calling us to trust him. So I don't want you to put your faith in God and together you'll win the battle. Now that sounds so simplistic, um, simplistic, but just think about it. I want you to trust God. And I want you to do what you can do and allow God to do what he can do. You do the possible, allow God to do the impossible, and together you can get through what you're going through. Together you can win this battle. Together you can overcome. And you've got to see yourself in this story. Because you are that man and you are that woman and there is a giant that is looming and that giant is speaking negative things over you. That giant is telling you that you will never be any better than you are right now. But let me say this. The giant is a liar. The enemy is a liar and he is the father of lies that God has a plan for your life. And I want you to listen to his voice. For he's calling you to step out. He's calling you to pick up a stone. He's calling you to to move forward. And people have told you that you'll never be able to do it. That your parents couldn't do it. Your grandparents, this is who you are. And this is who you'll always be. Stop listening to the negative voices um, around you. And listen to God's promptings on the inside of you and God is saying do something about this God is saying take that step God is saying pick up that stone and I I want to just be honest that first step is the hardest 
It is hard to step out and do something. It is hard to recover from a setback. But you can do that. And when you take that step, it is a risk. But when you put your faith in God, God will see you through it. That's what Drew Brees did. I want you to listen to his story. go to Sunday school, um, you enjoy hearing the, the, the Bible stories, and then you go uh, to, you know, the big the big sermon, the big church, and you sit there, and I'm just, you know, me and my brother just kind of hitting each other, just wondering when it's going to get over. <laughs> the second to last game of the season, third round of the playoffs, um, I was the starting quarterback. Um, I suffered a torn ACL in my knee. It was devastating devastating for me. Junior high school too, this was when you're supposed to get recruited and just all of these things. I had to wait to have surgery for a month because they had to let the MCL heal before they repaired the ACL and then I was still on crutches and it was just, I'd hit that point. I had seen friends have that injury and never come back quite the same. So what I thought was just going to be my life, sports, I felt like was being stripped away from me. And I remember sitting in church on my 17th birthday and sitting in that same pew where my brother and I used to just goof around and never pay attention. And for some reason that day, it was different. And I was locked in um, on the pastor as he was sitting there talking about how the Lord was looking for a few good men to carry on his kingdom, to spread his word and to live the life that, that he had planned for them. And that spoke to me. And it was at that moment that I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and knew that there was something that was bigger planned for me than just sports. fifth season, going into an off season in which I did not have a contract, I was going to be a free agent. I get hurt the very last game of the 2005 season with the San Diego Chargers. I never dislocated anything in my life, but I knew exactly what happened. And I knew too that besides maybe like a broken neck or something, that that is the absolute worst injury that I could ever have asked for for a quarterback. As I'm walking off the field with my shoulder stuck like this because it was dislocated, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm probably never going to put on a Charger uniform again. And then it hits me that, you know, I might not ever play football again. A few short months later, uh, my wife and I were taking a visit to uh, New Orleans, uh, who was six months post-Katrina, and we're just looking at the, the sheer devastation and just saying, I'm not going to trust what I see with my eyes here because my eyes are telling me not to come here. <laughs> and yet my heart, my soul, the Lord is telling me that this is our calling. Uh, it's not about just coming to play football and be a part of the resurgence of a, a football team or an organization, but it's about the resurrection and rebirth of a city, and we can be a part of that. score, the Colts are driving, we get the interception, we go score, now we're up 14 with three minutes left, and yet you're still thinking, I know Peyton Manning, I know this this team. In your mind, you're going through all these scenarios of what you're going to have to do still, and then we get the ball back um, to basically take a knee to win the game, and it wasn't until that moment that, all right, we are world champions. I 
think we as, as people do we want to see and touch and feel in order for it to be real for us. And yet, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 will tell you, you'll be led by faith and not by sight. You know, so much of life is that. It's, it's faith in God, knowing that He's got a plan. And at times you don't understand it, and you're not going to see it. Um, and yet you just have to trust and you have to have faith. Put your faith in God. That's what Drew Brees did. I challenge you to do the same. As you come to the place where you say, God, I'm trusting you. Let me, let me say this. You may put your faith and trust in God today. And you may have a challenge tomorrow. Just because you trust God today doesn't mean that your problems are going to go away. But it means that he'll give you strength to make it through there. Most of us really, not most of us, a lot of us here expected to see Drew Brees playing tonight in the Super Bowl. But the Saints lost to the Rams through a very painful and unfair call. And here's what we know about all that. Life is not always fair. On occasion, some officials are going to miss it. On occasion, some officials are going to make some bad calls. Bad things happen to us. But God specializes in taking those bad things, those negative things that have happened to you, and turning them around and bringing something good out of them. Maybe some of you have had some officials make bad calls. That you find yourself in a situation where you've been uh, maligned or you have been treated in a way that is not appropriate, is unfair. I want you to hear this message. Those negative voices that are saying those things to you do not have to reflect your future. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We see the negative things all around us, but we have the confidence that God turns crucifixions into resurrections and God can turn your dead career and your dead relationships and he can spark new hope and new life and you can be changed. And I just challenge you to pick up a stone. Because what God did for David, God can do for you. And I don't know who your Goliath is, but I do know this, that our God is bigger. And what God did for David, God can do for you. But you've got to step out and you've got to believe. Over the next few minutes, we're going to um, pray. And I'm going to pray that God touches you right where you are. There are some of you that you've never made a decision to follow Christ and today is your day. There are others of you that you're standing and you're facing a giant right now. And he seems larger than life. She seems larger than life. And it could be at work. It could be at home. It could be in a number of places. But you feel uh, like that giant is looming over you and he is making you feel so small. I just want you to know God's bigger. And as we pray, I just want you to say, God, I receive what you have for me.
okay? Let's pray together. Bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those watching online. I pray that this day, that you would touch them and touch us right where we are. And to those individuals that have never made a decision to follow Christ, that this would be the day that you'd pray this prayer. Say this, say, Jesus, save me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. I give my life to you. I give my past, I give my current life, and I trust you in the days ahead. I receive your forgiveness. Father, as they pray that prayer, do that work. I also pray, Father, for courage to be released in this auditorium. I pray, Father, for those individuals that have to are faced with having difficult conversations this week. God, that you'd give them the strength. I pray, God, for those people that are hearing those negative voices saying that they can't, they never will, and uh, just messages of defeat. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would silence the critics, that you would silence those voices, and that you would speak life and hope in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.